Hey, it's Curious City editor Alexandra Solomon. There's been a lot of news coverage in recent weeks about the migrants arriving in Chicago from Texas. Dozens of migrants from Texas, the first, arrived in this sanctuary city. Hundreds of asylum seekers have arrived in Chicago. They include individuals, families, and children seeking refuge here in the United States. Chicago, Cook County, and the state of Illinois are pledging to help them with shelter and support. These asylum seekers, who are mostly from Venezuela, were brought here on charter buses paid for by the state of Texas. Those migrants arrived here at Union Station on two large coach buses around 7.30 p.m. At a press conference the day after the first buses arrived, Mayor Lightfoot was critical of Texas Governor Greg Abbott. But she also talked about Chicago's commitment to opening its doors to immigrants and asylum seekers. For decades, our city has been a sanctuary for thousands of newcomers. And every year, our city welcomes hundreds of migrants and provides them with much-needed assistance. We saw that last year with Afghanis who are fleeing the terrible violence and the destruction in their home country. We've seen that more recently with Ukrainians who are coming here. We welcome them with open arms. So on this week's episode, we wanted to focus on a question we got from Curious City listener Robert Bader. Robert wants to know more about which faith communities in the Chicago area are currently helping refugee families. Robert's a member of St. Paul and the Redeemer Episcopal Church on the South Side, and he wanted to explore this question because he's worked with refugees through his own church. He knows that lots of other churches in the area, as well as synagogues and mosques and other faith-based organizations, are involved in this kind of work. And these religious institutions and organizations often collaborate with one another. At his church, he explains, One of the goals is to replicate the radical hospitality of Jesus. And another goal is to welcome the stranger. But beyond learning who's welcoming immigrants and refugees, Robert wants to know what approach faith organizations take when it comes to assisting these families. So to answer Robert's question, Curie City reporter Adriana Cardona-Magigad reached out to a number of faith-based groups and institutions that work with immigrants, refugees, and asylum seekers. She also spoke to some of those asylum seekers who came from Texas about their hopes as they adjust to a new way of life here in Chicago. More on all of that coming up. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. Curious City is supported by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in the day, how would you use it? BetterHelp Online Therapy can help you figure out what's most important to you so you can prioritize it. Learn to make time for what makes you happy. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Curious City today to get 10% off your first month. Adriana set out to answer Robert's questions about how faith groups here address the needs of refugees and immigrants. Robert does this kind of work, so he's curious about how other faith communities do it. And he thinks a lot about whether these people are getting the help they really need. And Adriana's here to tell me what she learned. Hey, Adriana. Hey, Alexandra. 
So Adriana, you met someone from a church that works with refugees and immigrants who thinks a lot about Robert's questions. Tell me about her. Yeah, I met Louisette Kral and her husband, Ed Kral. They originally come from Curaçao, and they've been in the United States for about 14 years. They help run a church in the West Ridge neighborhood on Chicago's north side, where they work with refugees and immigrants. Ed is one of the pastors there. It's one of several part community Christian churches in the city. Louisette has been organizing these events at the church because she randomly met some of the asylum seekers, the ones who've been in the news. The night I met Louisette, about 60 people came to the church to get clothes and food. Louisette says she met some of the asylum seekers when she was giving Coca-Cola and chips to people outside her church one day. They stopped to get some snacks, and they ended up connecting with Lucette and telling her about their needs. So Lucette and her husband asked the community to help out. They gathered clothes and other supplies for them. And to make them feel welcome, they offered a pizza night. I spoke to some of the asylum seekers from Venezuela who were there on the night I went. I asked them what were some of their most pressing needs at the moment, and most of them told me they needed help finding jobs. That's Carolina. I'm not mentioning her last name to protect her identity. She wants a job so she can be independent. She says she and others came here to work and find stability. She also wants people to know that her journey was exhausting and traumatic. She says she saw deaths involving children and their parents crossing the Darien jungle between Colombia and Panama. It's very hard, she says, to spend hours crossing mountains without food, covered in mud. It's very hard. Wow, Adriana, Carolina had such a difficult journey, you know, to get here. And yet she's so, you know, outspoken about what it is she needs. I'm curious how Luisette and her church think about what they need to do for people like Carolina. Yeah, so one thing Luisette quickly learned after talking with this group of asylum seekers is that they still have a lot of basic needs. Even after all the help they've received from government agencies, things most people don't think about. The most important need is underwear. They're wearing the same for weeks, washing every day. It's good. Yeah. So now that's what we give them. Underwear, underwear, socks, shoes, hats, scarves, just the first things to get started. Yeah, so underwear, jackets, shoes. So, you know, Alexandra, Louisette is a type of person who connects with people on a really individual level. She remembered one woman who only had sandals and needed comfortable shoes. So she saved a pair for her. Or that people need bags to carry their stuff. She just pays attention to the small things that people need. Tienes frío, mija. Tienes frío. Demasiado. 
She says it's important to focus on those primary needs first, based on what they tell her, before addressing things like jobs. I mean, you need clean clothes to go to work. Since she started working with asylum seekers and other immigrants, Louis said soon realized that this isn't a simple job. At this moment, there is so many refugees coming that one organization cannot do it. There is no way. If we give clothes, we are very busy the whole day, but still somebody needs to teach them driving. Somebody needs to find them an apartment, a job. So there is many organizations that chip a little bit and then that's how it works. It's not possible to do it alone. So yeah, her work is also very much an interfaith effort. So faith-based organizations like World Relief and Catholic Charities and other interfaith groups have been helping, you know, asylum seekers and refugees and immigrants for at least 150 years. Tell us a little bit more about the history of how faith-based groups have been helping refugees and immigrants. Yeah, so much of the support for asylum seekers, refugees, and other immigrants come from these faith-based groups. The government passed the Refugee Act of 1980, and that's a program that offers resettlement for refugees while helping them adjust and become financially independent. But even with this legislation, faith groups remain a really important part of the system that supports refugees and other immigrants. There are nine federal refugee resettlement agencies that work directly with the Department of State to welcome refugees across this country. The majority of those are faith-based organizations. That's Jessica Schaefer. She's with JCFS, Chicago's highest immigration and citizenship. The organization came here to Chicago in 1911 to support Jewish immigrants arriving in the area. But today, they work with immigrants and refugees of all faiths. Just since January alone this year, we've welcomed um, 110 refugees from all different corners of the world. So from Afghanistan, Syria, Iraq, Guatemala, Burma, Sudan, and Congo, um, Burundi. And so we are always looking to other community-based organizations and faith-based organizations to work with us to help us understand the specific needs, religious and cultural identities of the folks that we're working with. Despite the difference in religion, Hayes and other faith-based groups have very similar values when it comes to welcoming immigrants. These values are driven by their faith. There are two values in particular that I always come back to. The first is the obligation to welcome the stranger. So it says in the Torah, in our Holy Scripture, that we are obligated to welcome the stranger. And so we understand that as our doors need to be open to welcome and support anyone, even if, especially if they are different than us. And the second value that I always think of is in Hebrew, it's called Betzelem Elohim. And it's the idea that every person is created in an image of the divine. So it doesn't matter who you are, where you're coming from, what you believe, every person is Uh, deserving of dignity and respect and welcome. We believe that all people are created in the image of God and we are invited to welcome the stranger um, the way that God welcomes us. Alexandra, that's Nathan White with World Relief. It's a Christian humanitarian organization that works with churches in a hundred countries around the world. Wow, that's a big organization. Yeah, and they offer refugee and immigration services here in Illinois. 
War Relief's work in the Chicagoland area started in the suburbs, and they've had an office in Chicago's Albany Park since the 1980s. Chicago has just seen a, a lot of people come through the ages, right? Through the different portions of history where we saw like different different people groups, right? So in the in the 90s, when we saw people from the Sudanese Civil War and there were 3,800 lost boys were settled in the U.S., right? Like those were those are some of the areas where world relief was active and engaging local faith communities, Christian communities to, to be involved in extending welcome. So faith-based organizations like HIAS and World Relief do everything from helping to find housing to job placement. And they take care of a lot of the practical needs people have. But faith groups have also been involved in advocating for the rights of immigrants and refugees. Interfaith collaborations have been a really key part of this activism. For example, faith-based groups have played an important role in helping Chicago become a sanctuary city. Sister Joanne Perch is one of those leaders involved. She's been doing this kind of work for a very long time. She's 88 years old and she's still pretty active. I've been working with immigrants for over 30 years. Wow, she sounds like an amazing person. Yeah, she's done so many things. She even helped start Sukasa Catholic Worker in the 90s. And that was during the genocide in Central America. And so we had Central American refugees coming to our home. We had a very large building, and we housed over 20 men, women, and children at any time. And it was there that we began to work with the interfaith community. After Sukasa, along with another Catholic sister, she helped found an organization that assists immigrants in detention. Sister Joanne says she met an immigration attorney who worked with migrants who were in the deportation process or awaiting trial. He thought that perhaps praying at the deportation center would help win cases. So we joined him, and it was the first Friday of January in 2007. Little did we know that day that that was our first step of forming our next organization. People from other faiths took notice and began to join them in prayer outside the detention center. Wow, how long did that last? That lasted for about three years. Their goal was to actually get inside. We needed to get inside that center with the people being deported, to pray with them, listen to what was in their heart. Along with other Jewish, Muslim, and Christian leaders, the sisters helped organize press conferences and they staged sit-ins in front of buses. They publicly denounced immigration and customs enforcement, known as ICE, for violating basic human rights by not letting pastoral workers inside detention centers. So, Adriana, faith groups have been such an important part of advocating for immigrant and refugee rights, you know, at the federal level, at the state level. What happened in this case that Sister Joanne was involved with? 
In this case, Sister Joanne, along with other people and interfaith groups, worked to get a bill passed in Springfield that would give detainees access to pastoral services. The bill passed unanimously and became law in 2009. And there's a picture. It shows a group down there at Springfield who were supporting this bill. You could see the rabbi, the Muslims, all Christian faiths, and of course Catholics. So in every step of this development of the interfaith community, we had interfaith. Adriana, that's such a powerful image of all these different faith groups coming together, united in a common cause. We'll be right back. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. The number of refugees and asylum seekers and immigrants coming to the United States and coming to Chicago every year varies. It depends on the political situation in these countries and the turmoil happening in other parts of the world. And here in Chicago, so many different groups and organizations are trying to figure out how best to assist the newcomers arriving here. Adriana, tell us the latest news about what's happened with those asylum seekers who we heard about earlier who arrived here from Texas. Well, Alexandra, about 3,000 asylum seekers have arrived on buses from the Texas border as of this week. They include individuals, families, children, and infants seeking refuge, and they keep coming. So many of these faith-based and community groups are really busy right now. That includes the organization that Sister Joanne helped start. And again, the mayor spoke recently about how the city, the state, many local agencies and faith-based groups are figuring out how to best support these families. Many of these organizations that I have the privilege of standing here with provide all kinds of uh, supports. And you've heard some of it today. Obviously, the basics, food, clothing, and shelter, making sure that they um, had a hot shower, a towel, doing a triage um, to see if there's any uh, immediate needs for, for medical resources. Now, beyond that then, it's having intensive case management to understand what their story is from their home country, why they were seeking asylum, and then making sure that they are equipped with legal resources and culturally competent uh, legal resources to help them on the next legs of the journey. Yeah, so it sounds like many of these agencies are just really busy right now. Yes, they are. They're trying to find places where these asylum seekers can stay. When I met up with the asylum seekers, many of them told me they liked staying near Devon Avenue because they could walk to places and figure out their way around without a car. Yeah, that's not something, you know, we think about always. Yeah, you're right. They were staying at a nearby YMCA in Westridge, but I found out that many were sent to the suburbs and out by O'Hare, 
but it's not as easy to get around. So that's been a challenge for many of them. So Robert, who asked us about how faith groups and interfaith groups are working together, wanted to know, you know, how many faith groups out there are working with immigrants? What did you find out? Well, that number is hard to quantify. There are just so many things happening at the grassroots level, like what we saw at Louisette's church, but also at a more formalized level. I reached out to the Council of Islamic Organizations of Greater Chicago. They say they usually coordinate services, most recently involving Afghani refugees, with more than 70 mosques and other Christian groups. Here is Irshad Khan. He's the chairman there. There's so many of those churches. The faith-based institutions have really stepped up. The bottom line is when there are issues like this of refugees coming in, faith-based communities always have stepped up and supported us. World Relief says it's actively involved with about 200 churches, primarily Christian in Illinois. But they also work with other faith-based groups depending on the need. Here is Nathan from World Relief again. That number is just specific to churches that are engaged. They they come from the the breadth of denominations that would fall under Christian, from like Catholic to Lutheran, Presbyterian, Evangelical, you know, so mainline Protestant. There's a wide range there. There are times where we have partnered with um, mosques as well. Also, these cross-faith collaborations can happen very organically. Here's Jessica from Hayes. So when we began to resettle Afghan refugees in January and February of this year, we invited the Muslim Women's Resource Center to join our program and facilitate a training for our staff and volunteers about Afghan culture, um, about ways of welcoming, about ways that we could interact appropriately with the family, because our goal is always to build trust and to be respectful. So when Robert asked us about faith groups, he told you he was thinking about how organizations like his own church approach the way they work with refugees and immigrants. And a lot of people who do this work are like Robert. They're volunteers. So I'm wondering if anyone you spoke with had any advice for people who do this kind of volunteer work. Yes, I spoke to several people about that, and they do have advice. But first, I want to say that Nathan says the number of people wanting to volunteer at World Relief has been increasing. And Louis said, noticed a similar trend. Robert asked this question because he helped start a volunteer program to assist refugees at his own church. And he himself learned a few lessons about how Chicago residents can be most helpful. One is, there are many meaningful ways to assist families. That doesn't always include bringing in your old winter clothes. That can be very helpful, but it's not always what people need. He and others say, listening to people speak about how they want to be helped goes a long way. Nathan from World Relief says that's a very important point. It's really important in the work that we do, right, the the work of welcoming, that we listen because there are unique needs. And sometimes there's a big pour out of resources that might be totally missing the actual need. And at the end of the day, that doesn't really help anyone. Louisette, who is now super busy assisting the asylum seekers coming to her church for help every week, says when you're volunteering through your congregation or other community groups, Try not to ask sensitive questions that are going to add to their trauma. 
offer to show them around, offer to give them a ride when they need one, and when possible, invite a family for a home-cooked meal. Something like that goes a long way. That idea, shared by so many fates, to welcome the stranger. Thanks so much, Adriana. Curious City is supported by the Conant Family Foundation and produced by Joe Dassault and Jason Mark. Adriana Cardona-Magigad is our reporter. Maggie Civit is the digital and engagement producer for Curious City. And our luminary fellow is J.P. Swenson. I'm the editor, Alexandra Solomon. Thanks for listening. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. Before we start the show, we here at Curious City want to let you in on a little-known fact about WBEZ. 89% of all our funding comes from community support, including contributions from curious listeners like you. If this program has changed how you see Chicago, please consider supporting this program at wbez.org curious. Thank you.